Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And today we are breaking down the GHSA Boys Elite Eight, a state playoff preview. But before we do that, let's talk about the Sandy Spiel Spring Showcase, March 19th at Chesity High School got the boys coming in at 4 p.m. running to about 8 p.m. an opportunity to get some last second exposure before travel ball tips off I know travel ball starts earlier and earlier every single season but one last opportunity to play in front of myself and hopefully some college coaches as well we will have videographers there we will have photographers there every player that attends camp will receive a player evaluation hands-on training of course, along with some gameplay, some former college coaches helping uh, lead some of these these campers. So we do have some some significant names in the building that will be helping out. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Last year was a, a very nice success and uh, hopefully we'll be able to grow it as well. But you can find more information on sandyspiel.com and on Twitter at KyleSandy355 about the Sandy Spiel Spring Showcase, March 19th at Chesity High School in Gainesville, Georgia. Now let's move to Class 7A. That's what you want to talk about. This is the bulletin board material. Everybody loves it. But before we go right into 7A, how would I do in the Sweet 16 round? Consistency. What a, what a nice round. 82.8%. So roughly 83% of the game's correctly picked that is the exact same mark as the first round and it's supposed to get tougher every single round so I'm very proud of myself 53 out of 64 games correctly select (laughs) correctly selected very nice bounce back same amount but very very strong and in 7a I was 7 of 8 with these picks and let's get right to it top left hand side Norcross, a 72-60 winner over Osborne. They will see Newton, 73-51 over Pebblebrook. Really smacked Pebblebrook around in this one. An impressive game, impressive win for the Rams. And now these two teams, they know each other. They played on December 10th at the Hawks-Naismith Classic, Holiday Classic, that is. Newton was defeated by Norcross, 73-71 in overtime. Marion Jordan hit a last-second shot to give Norcross the lead and win that game. Bilal Abdurrahman uh, had 22 points, had a good game. Jordan going to Georgia had 18 points. Mir Panoam, 13 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists. Samarian Bond, 11 points and 6 boards in that game. And then, of course, for Newton, McDonald's All-American going to UConn. Stephon Castle, 28 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 block. He got 18 points from Jabaz Jenkins and 11 points from Marcus Whitlock. But you know who didn't play that game and is now back, and that's Ja'Kai Newton, guard going to Indiana. So Newton, finally, it feels like they're inching towards full strength with that backcourt, and uh, it's going to be a really fun one. Obviously, a lot of great athletes out on the floor in this game. Uh, Newton, a two seed, so they will be traveling to Norcross. The House of Blue, very tough place to play at this time of year. Norcross is going to be challenging. Norcross is my my pick. That's the pick I went with when we started this Bracketology podcast. 
Um, they're going to have to play really, really well. Uh, someone's going to have to check Stefan Castle. They cannot let him get to a spot so easily, which he does every single game because he's just such a talented scorer, uh, a real foul magnet. To no surprise, he was 11 of 17 from the foul line in that game against Norcross. And missing six free throws, that's, that's a bit of a surprise, especially when you lose in overtime by two points. So don't expect Stefan Castle to miss that many free throws um, once he gets to the line in this game. Uh, I think Newton really has a good chance to win this one, obviously, uh, with Ja'Kai Newton back in the fold. But I, I think Norcross, if they're able to knock down some outside shots, they hit seven threes in that matchup in their first game. Um, Newton did really well from the three-point line as well. They went 10 of 29, but that game was kind of decided at the foul line. As I mentioned, Newton, 15 of 25. Norcross was 18 of 23. Uh, I foresee this game going down to the wire. Of course, these two teams hooked up in the state playoffs last year. and was another game that was played in the 70s and was decided by about three points or so that, uh, of course, Norcross won. So Newton uh, trying to get over the hump and solve this Norcross puzzle. Again, expect this game to be played in the 70s or close to it. I'm going with Norcross. I just think that uh, defending state champs, I think they've played a little bit better than Newton throughout the year. And uh, I think home court advantage plays a big factor in this one. So I'm going with the Blue Devils. Uh, I think they find a way past Newton in a really fun, explosive, high-scoring game. Bottom left-hand side, we see Cherokee 73-58 over Burkmar and Carrollton 58-56 over Parkview. This is the disruptor bracket, this quadrant here. Two teams trying to make it to their first Final Four in a long time, it feels like. Well, more so for Cherokee. Uh, then Carrollton. Carrollton made it years ago when I, I first started covering. They, they took a really deep run. But Cherokee, Cherokee, this is kind of uncharted waters. They don't, they don't make it this far. And especially in the highest classification, it's very, very tough. Uh, and, and really so when you're a homegrown team like what Cherokee is. And this left-hand side, uh, someone's trying to make it to the Final Four. Someone's going to make it to the Final Four. And they're going to be up against those Blue Bloods. Uh, the only other team that's not a Blue Blood that is in this Class 7A that has a chance to really make history is Walton, and we'll talk about them later, but that's going to be tough. Well, what do we have in this Cherokee and Carrollton game? I mean, Cherokee's been so good off the rip, and I know these teams both very, very well. Uh, had Cherokee at two of my events this year. Uh, actually hosted one of the Sandy Spill uh, events. I believe that was a Sandy Spill showdown at Cherokee High School. We saw them just wreck a really good Darlington team that just lost in the Sweet 16 to Mount Pisgah, uh, beat them by over 20 points. Uh, Cherokee also beat White County. They they really took it to them in the at my uh, Sandysville Tip-Off Classic event. Uh, they blew them out of the water. White County, a team that made it to the Sweet 16 and was just uh, you know defeated. Actually, lost in that first round, I think it was. Uh, lost to Hebron, my mistake. But anyway, Cherokee, really, really good. And then Carrollton played in my fall league and was the uh, the fall league champs. I don't think they lost the game. So I know these two teams really well. I really love what both teams are doing. Cherokee is just uh, super well balanced. They swing the ball so well. They move the ball so well. They shoot the three exceptionally well. Um, Tatum Owens has been coming up big now, putting up a lot of points. Cameron Pope consistently can peg him for about 15, 15 points per game. 
Braylon Giddens, I, I said it on the last podcast, I'll say it again, he's really the unsung hero that just makes his team go with his decision-making and his ability to find his spots to score points. Mason Bennett's a pit bull defender. Daston Hart, again, a team that doesn't have much size, but Daston Hart will go up against anybody. And then Lawrence Sanford is that real wild card. You can come in and put him into the game off the bench, and he could score 10, 12 points in the blink of an eye with his outside shooting. So Cherokee's got so much firepower, and they just move the ball so well and just play play good basketball. And I know that you know you think about Cherokee, you think about their, their shooting and their ball movement, but their defensive pressure. I saw it from the first game of the season in their opening uh, loss in a scrimmage at Kings Ridge. They apply ball pressure. They are physical, and they will defend, and they make you uncomfortable, and they make you start your sets out farther than what you probably really want. Now, Carrollton, another team I really love. They made that run to, I believe it was the Elite Eight last year. Um, O'Brien Watkins is a, a real bowling ball of guard that gets downhill. An okay shooter, but really wants to get to the basket. Kashawn Pace going to Reinhardt, very athletic, like his length. A guy that rebounds really well from the guard position. Um, Hudson Blackman knocks down outside shots. Eli Pippins is, I feel like he's always good for two threes and two layups. At least he was in the fall league. You could always put him down for 10 points. I really, again, you talk about unsung heroes, a guy that kind of flies under the radar, but can hit or really hurt you by hitting big shots. And then, of course, Caleb Odom, who transferred in from Villarica, gives him that 6'6", 6'7", presence to compete with some of the big dogs in Class 7A. And that was a really, really good win over Parkview. Now, this game, it's going to be played at Carrollton. So you're going to have to travel out to West Georgia. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a large fan base supporting the Trojans. I really think this game could go either way. I, I love how both teams are playing. Carrollton is my initial pick. That's a team I went with when we first started this, this uh, Bracketology podcast. And I got, you know, shoot, I got seven of my eight Elite Eight teams still alive. So I've done okay so far. Carrollton's going to be my pick, but boy, oh boy, it's so difficult to choose and pick against Cherokee. I think they are as dangerous as anybody. And I think either team Whoever makes it to the Final Four is going to give either Norcross or Newton Hill in that Final Four game and really, really surprise them with how good they are playing um, You know, outside of Gwinnett County and outside of Cobb County. There's good basketball being played in Carrollton. There's good basketball being played in Cherokee County. Um, but again, with that being said, Carrollton is my initial pick. I think Caleb Odom could be a really key factor in this game. Um, but boy, oh boy, I, I hate to pick against either team. Um, but just for the sake of staying consistent, I'll go with Carrollton. I think Caleb Odom could play a big factor. And maybe O'Brien Watkins, if he's able to get to the rim and kind of make things happen off the dribble, uh, that that could play a big role. But Carrollton is my pick. I'll try not to talk myself out of it. Um, Carrollton is my pick. Top right-hand side. <sighs> a lot of drama afoot with this one. But McEachern, 88-51, dominant statement win over a solid Westlake team and then Wheeler 74-49 against North Gwinnett who is going to coach Wheeler in this elite eight matchup at McEachern if you saw what happened at the end of the game against North Gwinnett there were some technical fouls handed out and learning through the grapevine doing my research it sounds like um, and don't shoot the messenger. Do not shoot the messenger. I'm just doing my job trying to find out what's going on, 
talking to people that are in the know and that would know what is what has transpired and what should transpire. But it sounds like Larry Thompson might not be able to coach this game. And their second lead assistant might be able to, but might not as well. There are a lot of technical fouls handed out at the very end, like right at the buzzer of this game. So Wheeler, it looks like Larry Thompson's not going to be the head coach. We will see what becomes of that. Maybe if he is, then some some magic was worked. But it sounds like Wheeler might be without Coach Thompson, a multi-time state championship winning head coach. And that will be tough going on the road against McEachern, probably maybe the one team in the state that can somewhat match you as far as position for position talent goes. Um, This game is going to be very exciting. And it's a game that, you know, almost draws me over there to go watch it, but more so as just being a fan of great high school basketball. So you start at the point guard matchup, Isaiah Collier. McDonald's All-American going to USC, but hey, Jermichael Davis is pretty dang good too. I know no one really knew about him before he he transferred over, but this kid was putting up monster numbers at LFO since day one. He's going to Rutgers. He can, you know, nearly match Isaiah as far as his athleticism goes. Uh, maybe not as good of a shooter. I know Isaiah is a little bit streaky, but his three-point shot, especially with what he did against Newton on national television, uh, he's got him really good there. But those two guys, Rutgers versus USC in the backcourt. Uh, you got Moses Hips, a really good shooter from McEachern. He's a catch-and-shoot guy that can uh, really catch fire really quickly. But Wheeler has – they got options too. I know Ricky McKenzie doesn't always start, but that's a, a dangerous piece. Uh, you got Jelani Hamilton, who's going to Iowa State on this Wheeler roster. Uh, McEachern, you know, they, they, they can match up with Ace Bailey. How about that? Ace Bailey is six foot ten pretty much a five-star junior swingman who's committed to play at Rutgers. So right there, there's another tit-for-tat. You got him, I got him. Inside, you got J.D. Palm, a sophomore at about six foot ten. He'll be matching up with Arrington Page, who's going to USC. So you look at that matchup, two big bodies banging inside. Uh, just so much talent, again, all through up the roster for both of these teams. I know I'm missing a lot of guys. I don't need to name every single player on both of these rosters. I think by now, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who the best players in the state are, and you know uh, a lot of them are accumulated on these two rosters. So if it comes down to X's and O's, if if Coach Thompson is unable to go, you would think uh, Coach Ankrum just having the, the whole coaching staff there, that would probably lend to an advantage for McEachern, plus you take into account uh, home court advantage, um, that's pretty big as well. I don't know what to expect in this game. I know there's great talent. I think Wheeler, that's my initial pick of winning this game, but with things getting really fuzzy at the end of that North Gwinnett game and technicals and whatever, last-second ejections, however you want to call it, that makes it a lot different as far as what to expect. Um, but I'm going with Wheeler. I think facing adversity, I think they still have all their players on the floor. Uh, I think, you know, you got a McDonald's All-American. It's time to really plant your flag as a McDonald's All-American, which I've, I think Isaiah Collier's done consistently throughout his career. But this is one more huge hurdle um, to prove that you are the very best in the state of Georgia. And I think Wheeler, I think they find a way to win with Coach Thompson or without him, whatever becomes of all that. I think Wheeler finds a way past McEachern in what should be an absolute slobber knocker of a matchup. Bottom right-hand side, Grayson 
Valdosta took that long trip up to Archer to play Grayson, and Grayson put it on him, 76-53. And then Walton, the four seed, the real Cinderella slipper fits the four seed out of Region 5, marking the third team left out of Region 5 to make it to the Elite Eight. Walton beats Petrie Ridge 64-56, and now I think Walton's just going to be outgunned, outsized with Grayson, with Jakari Harris on the perimeter, and then Amir Taylor. I could see him having a really big game along with Chad Moody inside. Anthony Olsen's a really good guard. You know, Walton, with the three ball, they can make things happen with that three-point shot. It's always a factor. The great equalizer, of course, with Luke Flynn knocking down perimeter shots. And, uh, you know, they got some other... Uh, J.P. Wells, I believe, is another guard that can make some plays happen off the dribble and can shoot from the perimeter. Uh, so he's a he's a dangerous threat. Caesar Burrows as, as well, another good young guard. But I just feel like Walton's going to be asking a lot out of Harrison Morris inside to compete with that Grayson front line. And I just think uh, the Rams are just too big, and they are strong on the perimeter with C.J. Highland as well, a kid I forgot to mention. They just have so many weapons, and I do think – the size of Grayson and the overall town is just going to be very difficult for Walton to overcome. But I do think the Raiders can play with them for a while. But Grayson, um, home court advantage, even though they're not on their home court, I think the Rams get the job done and Grayson advances to the Final Four. Over in Class 6A, we had some tough games to predict and try to sort through in the Sweet 16. But give me some credit now. Perfect 8 of 8. In this second round, really tough, but eight of eight, a perfect second round, and now it only gets much, much, much difficulter, much harder. I know difficulter's not a word. Top left hand side, Blessed Trinity, sixty nine, fifty nine, put away River Ridge. I think it was uh, to no surprise a really big game from Brigham Rogers inside, and Ty Harpering, a guy that knocks down shots. So Blessed Trinity. Just too much for a really scrappy, really strong River Ridge team that had a great year, all things considered, especially when they were counted out by most and especially by me, but they had a great year. Uh, And now Blessed Trinity will play host to Lee County, 70-63 winner over Riverwood. Lee County, they got some athletes, and this is going to be contrasting styles. If Lee County can get up and down, and make this game a high-flying act. Usman Kroma is a big-time athlete, gets some huge slam dunks. They run some really nice sets to get some backdoor looks for lobs. DJ Taylor is an assist machine. Uh, they're tough. Lee County's tough. Blessed Trinity, uh, I feel like you know they, they'll have that advantage inside with Brigham Rogers. I think they'll have that advantage every single time, but it's going to come down to the role players, will they get some some help from other guys like James Connolly? I saw that boy take a vicious baseline slam. He elevated. He he did not take the stairs. He took the elevator for a huge highlight jam. Uh, guys like that are going to have to play really well. Him and Ty Harper and, of course, Rogers. That's going to be the big three. But I think I'm going with Lee County. I think I'm going to go with Lee County here in this game against Blessed Trinity. I just feel like... They're going to be tough. I think Josiah Parker with his point forward skills at six foot six, he's going to be an interesting, kind of a, a unique type player that Blessed Trinity doesn't usually typically see. And I do feel like that quickness, that athleticism, and that good guard play with the player of the year in DJ Taylor. I think Lee County goes on the road and finds a way 
to knock off Blessed Trinity in what will be a very difficult environment. Bottom left-hand side, we saw Lanier 67-55 over South Paulding and Grovetown 58-51 over Mayors. Both of these scores may be just slightly misleading. I mean, Lanier and South Paulding, a game I was at, that was fireworks. Threes were falling left and right to start the game. Really good game. 35-31 at the half, Lanier. Lanier goes up by as many as 13 points, 49-36. But here comes South Paulding surging back on a 12-1 run. Uh, They get it to 52-50 early in the fourth quarter. Uh, But Lanier closes 15-5 to end that game. Osmar Garcia is just too big and too strong. He is just such a freaking workhorse in there. I know he doesn't play above the rim. I know he's not athletic uh, enough, per se, to play at a, a you know high major or anything like that level. But my goodness, um, listed at about six foot seven, he's strong as an ox. He's such a good passer. He has such great hands. Uh, dominated that game in the first half. Had 18 points in the first half as South Polding struggled to slow him down, which I felt like could be an issue. And that's why I went near in that game. But long story short, Osmar Garcia, 24 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks. Jason Nathaniel gave you 14 points, 8 rebounds, 3 blocks. And Boogie Morgan had a great game. Really hurt them with some baseline backdoor cuts. Uh, Coach Mayweather, uh, some really nice sets that worked out well. Boogie Morgan, 16 points and 6 rebounds in this win over South Paulding, uh, which ended up being a 12-point game. And then Grovetown. Grovetown was down at the half, I think 31-27 to Maris. Maris whipping the ball around Jesse Gaines, getting into the, getting into the lane and finding open shooters. Uh, Maris did not back down, but again, Grovetown a little bit too big, too long, and just kind of wore him down as the game went on. There's going to be a lot of big bodies on the floor over there at the ranch in Lanier. Lanier is going to have to pack that out and make it difficult for Grovetown. But if any front court could play with that length and that talent of Grovetown, it's going to be Lanier's. I've said it all year long. I feel like that's the most, if you're just looking at pure talent, that's pretty dang good with Jason Nathaniel and Osmar Garcia. Now, Osmar, we will see how impactful will he be against the length of Grovetown with Darian Reed. Who is he going to end up defending in this game? That'll be an interesting matchup. You got some other big bodies. Frank Juan Sherman, who we always forget about, fantastic player and a real mismatch at six foot seven, goes inside and outside. It's going to be a heck of a game. A lot of major talent on the floor. I think this one's going to come down to guard play. Is Lanier going to be able to shoot enough from the outside and knock down outside shots? Landon Soros. Uh, that was a key focus for South Paulding to not leave him on the perimeter, not to burn you with threes. He's a one-trick pony, but he's really good at that trick, knocking down threes. Soros had just two points on a reverse layup in that game. So if you're able to lock out and knock down those three-point shooters, really close them out and not let Nair get anything, I think that advantage is going to be towards Grovetown, obviously. Um, but guys like those, you know, it's going to be those role players. Davion Johnson, Landon Soros, as we just mentioned, um, they're going to have to hit some outside shots, and that's going to be key in this game. But Grovetown, I think what is going to be huge with this one is just the size of their guards. Markel Freeman uh, is a big guard. That's going to be an issue. Malik Ferguson going to Georgia State, another big guard. We're talking like 6'5", and you know, you're looking at Lanier's guards. They're about 6'6", six 6'1". Six um, so they're going to have a big advantage there. It's just going to be able to see if – 
Lanier can get some points in the paint. And Jason Nathaniel, this is a game for him. He has to rise his game up. He has to be talented. He can't shy away from going down on the block and becoming just a perimeter outside shooter. He's going to really have to strap on his hard hat because we, you know Osmar is. Osmar is definitely going to do that. Jason Nathaniel is going to have to go to war with Osmar every single play and uh, compete with Grovetown. Grovetown's my pick. I just feel like the size advantage, and they're really good, and they do have some shooters of their own that can help uh, really break up any defenses that Lanier runs. But I think it's going to be a fun, interesting game. I like Osmar Garcia in this one, but I do think Grovetown's link is going to be able to kind of negate him a little bit. So Grovetown, I just feel like they're a, a wee bit more of a complete team, and I think Grovetown gets to the Final Four with a chance to defend their state title uh, in another week or so. Top right-hand side, we saw Jonesboro play much better than what they did in the first round, 65-46 over Brunswick, and now they will welcome Alexander, 66-57 winners over Shiloh. Alexander was down 28-26 at the half to Shiloh, went to that press in the third quarter and just broke it open. And uh, Shiloh scored some buckets late to make it closer, but Alexander had that game at about 15 points or so. Uh, in the fourth quarter. And uh, again, you look at Jonesboro, a team that's really scrappy, plays good defense, uh, and is going to not have a ton of size, but they're really going to try and beat you by uh, getting their guards downhill. Devon Rainey's going to have to play a really good game. He's one of their better shooters, a lefty, uh, a Buffalo football commit player of the year. He's going to have to play well. Uh, Jaquez Aikens, is going to have to be that guy getting to the rim, the lefty, a, a big bowling ball, finishes through contact. Uh, but it's going to be tough. That's the problem. I, I know Jonesboro really likes to get downhill. Montez Redding really good. Uh, Cortez Diggy Redding, the freshman as well, he's going to be asked to play a key role in this one. But Alexander has that length, and they can block shots. Braden Liu was great in the last round. He's just a monster. He swallows up shots. Marvin McGee at 6-6-6-7 on the wing. He can come down, and he'll get some chase down blocks from behind. Noah Melson, 6-6 guard, going to UTC. That's another guy that is going to cause problems with his length on the perimeter and then defending around the rim. Uh, Alexander just has this size, this size, this size, this size that is going to give Jonesboro fits. I think Jason Isaac, if he gets some big burn in this game for Jonesboro, he's going to be a key piece because he is one of their taller players at a six foot four wing that can shoot the ball fairly well from the perimeter and can provide some offense and some defensive sparks here and there. That's going to be big. What do you get from the bench? I think Jonesboro has a little bit longer of a bench than Alexander, but when you go into that bench, a lot of these guys are on the younger variety for Jonesboro, but a couple of those little guards can knock down some outside shots, so Alexander has to make sure you don't lose those guys, especially in transition. Then Milan Kennedy for Alexander is a really key piece, and I would be remiss if I don't mention the microwave scorer, Jaquan Nelson. What does Jonesboro have for him if he gets hot? I just feel like Alexander has more scoring weapons, and I think that length is just going to play a really big factor as far as when Jonesboro tries to get to the rim. I know this game's going to be at Jonesboro. I know it's going to be a really tough environment. I know the mailman delivers, but Alexander has been my pick uh, dating back to the very first podcast. Alexander was the number one ranked team in the state for much of the season. 
I think Alexander has been through battles. They have been through wars. Not to say that Jonesboro hasn't, but I feel like Alexander's played a little bit tougher competition, especially in the region schedule that has prepared them for a run. So I think Jason Slate and the Cougars get past Jonesboro in what should be a marquee matchup. And bottom right-hand side, we have St. Pius 62-57 winner over Lakeside Evans. Lakeside gave them all they wanted and more some. And now they see Etowah 59-42 over Pope. This game's going to be at St. Pius. Uh, what is it, the Mark Kelly Gymnasium? If I if that's the wrong name, I apologize. We're trying to go off the top of the head here. But I know that is, <laughs> when you talk about home court advantage, that band box packs it out, and they start moving, swaying side to side before the game. And it's going to be a tough environment for Etowah. But I believe in Etowah. I think Brandon Rexstoner. I think these three-point shooters, Dimitri Angelakos. I think Aiden Weaver plays a big game with his athleticism and, you know, able to try and battle Spencer Elliott in the paint. Mason Etter, another good senior wing that has experience guarding bigger players. So wouldn't be surprised if he draws that Spencer Elliott assignment here and there. You got literally two of the very pinnacle of the best coaches in the state between Aaron Parr and Jason Dossinger, two of the absolute best uh, and just looking at 6a in general we do have a lot of really good coaches left especially on this right hand side of the bracket you have some guys that have won a lot of games over the course of their career and have done so um, you know primarily especially on this bottom right hand side with homegrown talent which is really tough to do in the higher classifications um, but with all that being said I, I do like Etowah their guards are a little bit better even though Blake Wilson going to Hampton Sydney is very very tough and St. Pius has that home court advantage. Um, but I think Etowah wins this game. Uh, for St. Pius to win, I do think Spencer Elliott uh, has to not only command the paint defensively, but really does have to be a force inside. We're talking it's got to be about 16 points and 12 rebounds and four or five blocks. He's got to be that dude going to Tulane. He's got to be the difference maker. And I think he can really, really certainly do that. But I just think this Etowah team um, – has scheduled extremely tough throughout the year. Again, they started off the season really rough, um, but they're they're tough. And Chase Clemens, again, an X-factor if he can provide some outside scoring that raises Etowah to a whole nother level. So I like the Eagles to make it to the Final Four. And what I feel like this game just has to go down to the wire, right? I just do not foresee this game being anything but uh, a potential classic. Uh, but with that being said, Etowah, the road dogs, I think they go on the road and defeat St. Pius. So I see the Eagles advancing to the Final Four for a rematch with Alexander. Over in Class 5A, 7 out of 8, Sweet 16 games correctly selected. How about this one on the top left-hand side? I didn't foresee this one. Well, I, I, did, I, I did foresee the end result, but I didn't think the score would be like that. Hiram hangs 93 on Tri-Cities in a 93-73 statement win. And then Jones County, the one I did get wrong, the one game I incorrectly selected, 64-50 at Tucker. Jones County, again, injuries kind of derailed them for a bit. They do have a great win over Grovetown. That shows you just how high their ceiling is. Jones County's back. Jones County's back. Jones County's back. Especially considering Region 2 has all four teams still alive in the Elite Eight. What a region that has turned out to be. And Jones County now travels to Hiram 
Now, Jones County, they're going to have their hands full. Again, Walter Matthews, if you're able to establish him inside of your high room, that is a big boy, a big boy that can seriously play. He is a load inside. But Chase Tyler and Jay Boyd, their ability to score, those two guys are really tough on the perimeter, and that is going to make things very, very difficult for Jones County. But if you're Jones County, you have a guy that can go on a scoring binge in his own right, a very dangerous player. And that very dangerous player is, of course, Jalen Sanford, the senior. Really good score, gets to his spots, shoots a three especially well. Just a tough-nosed kid. You got Dathan Harris, uh, really good. And I think Judd Anderson, you got you to gotta talk about Judd Anderson in this game. He is going to play a significant factor as far as trying to keep Walter Matthews away from the basket. The big, strong football quarterback is going to have to lock horns with the big-time football tight end. Uh, that's a big one right there for Jones County. They cannot get dominated in the paint. They have to have some rim protectors, especially with how good Hiram is at getting to the basket. Uh, Jay Boyd had 28 points in that for uh, second-round matchup against Tri-Cities. So they're getting points from all over the place, this Hiram team. I'm going with Hiram to win this one. Um, but, again, Jones County, uh, they have shown they're super well coached with Buck Harris, who wins a lot of games. And they will not be afraid of Hiram. By no, 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 no means will they be afraid of Hiram. They're going to give them everything they want. But I do feel like at Hiram, just with that big scoring trio and then some other good guards around them and Aaron Wesley, a good defender, I think Hiram wins this game. But Jones County is going to give them everything they want and more. Bottom left-hand side, Mays 69-68 over Winderborough. A floater with just seconds left. Propelled Mays past Winder Barrow. And now they see Eagles landing 64-36 against Lithonia. Um, it was even worse than that at the beginning of the game. Eagles landing was just pounding uh, pounding uh, Lithonia. I think it was like 40-11. to That's how good Eagles landing is. I'm going with Eagles landing in this game. I think Mays does have some significant firepower with Solomon Evans and company and Michael Williams. But Eagles Landing just can play at warp speed. And Kylan McKinney picking up full court when they need to. Chris Morris providing the toughness. Uh, Kenny Brayboy, that springy strong 6-7 forward. And, oh, of course, David Thomas going to Mercer is just a real a real stalwart that you can just put out there and feel really comfortable with. I think Eagles Landing wins this game. I think Mace has enough talent to be able to compete with them. But I just feel like that dog mentality and these Eagles is going to be a, a, a differing factor here. And plus, this game is going to be played at Eagles Landing. It's going to be a sellout. And I think the home crowd will be going home happy because Eagles Landing, I just feel like they're on a war path to see Kill in the state title. Top right-hand side, Union Grove had a big lead on McIntosh. They let it slip away, but then uh, a late bucket for Union Grove right before the horn on a nice little cut. Helps Union Grove survive 61-60. They beat McIntosh for the third time this year. And mind you, McIntosh, a non-region foe, they beat them for the third time this year. And now they will see Chapel Hill, who pounded Cass 85-52. Kelvin Hunter going to be big in this one. Just committed to play at Young Harris this past week. Union Grove doesn't have that size, but as I always say about Union Grove, they play really hard. They have a lot of 6'4", 6'5", wings and forwards that can kind of combat you. Um, 
Chapel Hill's my pick in this one. That's, again, I, I've got all these Final Four teams originally selected still alive, and I got seven of my initial Elite Eight teams uh, in it still. Um, so I'm going to stick with what I believe to be the case. Is Chapel Hill, I think they've just been a little bit better than Union Grove. Um, but Union Grove's dangerous. Tony Colley can get hot from the outside. Niall King is a, a solid forward around the rim. they got good guard play that uh, doesn't, you know, do a whole lot as far as overextending themselves. They they play well. They score some points, um, and they're they're tough. They're a tough team. This Union Grove bunch, and they've seen <laughs> they've seen the likes of Eagles Landing and all these other uh, elite eight teams that are left. They've played in the best region. When you you break it down, you can't debate the facts. They've really played in the best region in the state. Um, but I think Chapel Hill with O Ray Towns, Kyrus Doucette, I think Calvin Hunter, I think Chapel Hill. Uh, playing this game at home. I like the Panthers to win this one, but I could see Union Grove sticking around and making it interesting all throughout. And now the bottom right-hand side, Dutchtown, 55-46 over Decatur, and now they see Kell, 79-48 winners over Eastside. And I don't know if this is what Dutchtown had envisioned or how it all played out or what happened in that 3-4 game when they didn't play any of their starters in the 3-4 game against Jones County. And it looked like... Possibly, maybe. I don't know what the, the real uh, reason was. Uh, it looked like they were content with getting the four seed, so they would be playing Hiram potentially in the Elite Eight instead of Kale. But throw it all out the window. Dutchtown is playing Kale, and I think Dutchtown does have the size and does have some dogs and some athletes and some really good players to compete with Kale. Matthew Hinton, I think he's going to have to be a really big body inside and use those fouls and be able to try and keep away uh, paid a marshal uh, from the basket. I think Jeremiah Edwards, a first-team all-region selection, that good six-foot-four wiry swingman, uh, really good, more of an off-guard than a swingman, to be honest with you. Really good scorer, nonetheless. He's tough. Braxton Cooley provides some beef and some meat and some strength. Uh, Adrian Avery, another strong physical guy. Davari Barthel was an honorable mention uh, selection. Quickness in that and that guard there. Uh, Joa Chappelle, six foot six, super long, can defend, can block some shots, can do some things. Uh, Ospin Mosby Weems, again, I can't forget about his performance in that three four game. He really, really impressed me as a sophomore. Dutchtown's got some dudes. Dutchtown. Can make this game somewhat interesting, but this game is going to be at the Stockyard. Is going to be at Kell. I think Kell, C.J. Brown, Cannon Richards, all the guys that were transferred in there. Uh, it's just going to be tough for Dutchtown to compete with all those guys. And then you got um, Cologne knocking down outside shots on the perimeter. It's just a, a big-time floor spacer. Uh, Jalen Cologne, really good, has had games of what, like 10 threes, 8 threes. Uh, they just have so many weapons. Paris Johnson is a long defensive guard. Um, you even got uh, a couple other guys that have made some big contributions throughout the season. Aaron Smith, of course, uh, going to South Carolina State. So I just think this team, too strong for Kell, or Kell is too strong. I think they end up pulling away from Dutchtown here, but I do think Dutchtown – uh, can give them some interesting looks early on. But Kale, I just feel like they're the runaway favorite to win the state title this year. Um, well, runaway favorite other than them and Eagles landing, I guess, to collide in the state championship. So I got the Longhorns uh, being able to kind of uh, impose their will when it matters most down the stretch. So I'm going Longhorns. Up next in Class 4A, seven out of eight games correctly predicted. 
our original Elite Eight selections feature seven of those eight teams still in it. So we're doing pretty well. Um, top left-hand side, McDonough. They put the hurt on second uh, on Sonoraville. They, they, they extinguished the furnace, 78-38, a blowout. And now they see Westover, 67-55 over Southeast Bullock. Westover struggled to pull away from Southeast, um, but they ended up doing so. I like McDonough in this game. I know they're going to have to travel on the road to the Boston Garden, but uh, the fact that Southeast Bullock was able to hang around and give them a game, and now you're seeing the McDonough team that has that great athleticism. I know no Davian Thomas, but um, they have seen each other before, and uh, I feel like this should be a, a fun game. But McDonough, I'm going with McDonough in this game. This is my final four pick originally. And uh, as I mentioned, as I try and pull it up here, uh, Westover defeated uh, McDonough last year in the first, second, third, fourth. That is the final four, 42-39. So this McDonough team, uh, they have some unfinished business with Westover. Westover has been a bugaboo uh, for them. Um, but I do think McDonough gets the win. But they're going to have to play really well because Kamari Leverett, Region Player of the Year, is a very good player, can really, really score the ball. He is tough, and then Kevon Johnson's a good guard as well. But I think the the emergence of Avante Nichols, uh, how he's been uh, so good this year, along with Keenan Gray, both of those guys have really improved. And then Nigel Thomas is playing a much bigger role this season as well. So, and then uh, of course uh, Amon McDowell is uh, the the senior, the veteran of the group. So I'm going with McDonough here. Bottom left-hand side, we saw Pace Academy really take it to Walnut Grove, 58-41. And then Baldwin, 57-47 over LaGrange. And Anthony Webb strikes again. Again, how many times do I have to say they lost their top two scores early in the season? And it's just next man up, the Braves. They have a standard with Coach Anthony Webb. And these guys are living to the standard. Tremarius Lawrence, a first-team all-region pick, has emerged as their leading scorer this year. Jacoby Nixon, really tough, gritty six-foot-three forward. And then Jordan Webb was a third-team pick. But... Uh, I think Pace is just going to be too strong across the board. Kyle Green was a region player of the year. LJ Moore is just really tough around the basket. Chandler Bing, another uh, tough forward, stretchy forward. Um, they just have a lot to choose from. Eric Chatfield, a really good sophomore guard. And again, I try not to list the entire roster, but just naming out the names, you know who to worry about. And I do think Pace... Uh, even though they're heading on the road, Baldwin's going to give them a heck of a tough environment. I just think Pace is, is better this year. They have all their dudes. Baldwin does not, as far as what they expected heading into the season, when you lose three, probably your three best players, one via transfer, then two for whatever reason it was. Um, the simple fact that Baldwin's playing in an Elite Eight game uh, really tells you how good Coach Anthony Webb is. But I do think Pace is just going to be too talented, and I think Pace wins and advances on to the Final Four to see McDonough yet again in an all-Region 5 matchup on that left-hand side of the bracket. Top right-hand side of the bracket, Benedictine. That was my little sleeper pick to make it to the Elite Eight. They have gotten there. They beat Perry, 72-59. Caleb Jones, a big game. A really good sophomore score. And now they see Madison County. Grant Smith hits a shot with two seconds left to knock off Christian Anderson and friends. 49-48. 
Madison County. I've been riding high with these guys all season long. I really love the Red Raiders. I love how balanced they are, and I think they're going to use that balance again to beat Benedictine. I know, again, going to be tough going on the road in Savannah, but Chris Rhodes, a good forward. Grant Smith, Mason Smith, those guys are dynamic scorers. Jay Carruth, quick little guard, the region player of the year. I love this Madison County team. I think they have more weapons than Benedictine and Madison County. Uh, if they can get that shot falling, you know, they can match Caleb Jones three for three for three easily, hands down, with those those Smith boys in the backcourt. I like Madison County to win this game. I think it's going to be a good game. But Madison County, I just feel like they've seen a lot this year. And to be able to shut down, or I don't even know how many points Christian Anderson finished with, but to be able to beat Christian Anderson, probably the most efficient, lethalist, scariest score in a five foot ten frame, uh, to beat them and advance on to the Elite Eight. And again, doing so on the road. Red Raiders are ready for another trip. And this one's going to be long to Savannah, but I like Madison County to make it to the Final Four. And bottom right-hand side, Fayette County squeezes one out over Bainbridge, 61-59. And Woodland Stockbridge rolls over North Oconee, too athletic. They really pounded them, 76-52. So now it's Woodland versus Fayette County. Woodland, of course, uh, again, going into the state tournament, 14-14. Kind of middling, was well below McDonough, Lovett, and Pace Academy. Um, but they are still playing. They are that third team representing Region 5 in the Elite Eight. And they have been getting some big games out of Mason Lewis, who was a second-team all-region pick. He's been tough. Kyrie Brown, Ryan Grace, that's really your big three there. Um, they have been good, and they have been good when it matters most. So Woodland is playing, uh, I guess if you want to say, with some type of house money. Um, but the ability of them to really just stomp out uh, a tough North Oconee team that kind of trailed off ever since that Kamari Brooks injury. Uh, just didn't have anything to slow down Mason Lewis with 32 points. Uh, but now they're seeing Fayette County. Fayette County is good. Fayette County hasn't come from as strong of a region, but RJ Kennedy has been the real deal this year, averaging over 20 points per game. Has just been a lethal score, and you've seen Sean Van Dorn take a really big jump, and Keith Gillespie, uh, and of course, Andre Flynn has won a ton of games. What, he just won his 600th game or something like that, close to it, 500 wins, 600 wins, one of the two. Um, He has been great over the course of his career as far as getting the most out of his team. So this game going to be at Fayette County. Not going to be a terribly long drive at all for Woodland, but I'm going with Fayette County here. Fayette County, again, I'm going with the team that has been most consistent this year. Fayette County has been more consistent than Woodland. I think Woodland's going to have a really good shot at this one, but I'm going with Fayette County with R.J. Kennedy being a really key piece in this game. So I have McDonough versus Pace and Madison County versus Fayette County in the Final Four. Moving down to Class 3A, 6 out of 8, we were able to get right. When we sure as heck got wrong, Douglas Put a smackdown on Hebron Christian, 74-43. I turned that game on on NFHS. And, of course, you know, the worst thing is watching NFHS and the scoreboard's all jacked up. But I knew Douglas was in pretty good hands because I watched for about five minutes. And all I saw um, was Douglas scoring and scoring and scoring. I saw at least six buckets. I saw Hebron uh, barely be able to even get the ball past half court. And Douglas use a great press and just 
swallowed them up alive. And Douglas at 13 and 13 coming into the state tournament, sitting at 15 and 13 now, playing in the Elite Eight. And that defense is going to have to be on point because they are seeing a red hot, raging hot, scorching hot Doherty team, 76 49 over Harlem. This game is going to be at Doherty. I'm going with Doherty in this one. Uh, they're playing exceptionally well, but Douglas has shown. Uh, they can take it to you now. Douglas, the Astros are really, really tough. And I, I feel like at this point, when you get picked against every single round, you just have to embrace that underdog role. It's nothing to get mad about. you got to embrace it, and you got to use it as motivation. You saw it in the second round when Douglas put it on Hebron. And I think Douglas is going to be able to come out and really battle with Doherty in this one, bringing true Atlanta basketball to the south. But in the 229, I think Albany area, Doherty has been one of the very, very best. And I do think Doherty with Jion Burns and some of those other guys, the Jinx brothers, I think they're going to be tough. And I think Coach Bakari Bryant, that's a dude that's won a lot, a lot of games. And they are playing their best basketball at the right time, like every year Bakari Bryant's teams do. I like Doherty to defend home court in what should be a really fun, athletic, high-paced game. Bottom left-hand side, we saw Cedar Grove 62-55 winners over Monroe area. Monroe area loses their best three-point shooter in Allen Jones, rolling his ankle in warm-ups. Like, that's the stuff you, you can't take into account when you try and predict these games and kind of project what happens. So you're already down a man off-rip. And, uh, you know, it's a tight game. Monroe area had a 39-35 lead in the third quarter. That was like their largest lead of of the second half they go into that fourth quarter 45 45 but then uh Manny Green really took over I think he had maybe one point two points maybe even a scoreless first half but really busted out in the second half and had a really big game I think he finished with about 17 points in that one he was really good Jalen Adside uh just showing off that veteran leadership in that game he was uh crucial for Cedar Grove down the stretch um, he had a ton of points. He led them in scoring uh, with 21 points. And then uh, EJ Colson, they ran some really nice sets for him, got him open for some crucial three-point shots. He finished with 20 points. So Cedar Grove, really, really nicely done. Um, the big guy, Darius Reynolds, was held scoreless in this game. That was a, a focus from Monroe area. But Manny Green, the freshman, just got hot in the second half and Colson and company were knocking down shots and they did a really nice job. So Cedar Grove, a big win over Monroe area. And now they see Long County who nip and tuck, nip and tuck. They survive a trip to the castle and escape 71-68 in a win over Ups and Lee. And uh, this game is going to be at Cedar Grove now. And I think Cedar Grove should win this game. I think Long County will definitely be able to compete with this one. But Cedar Grove uh, going into Monroe area, securing that win. And again, I know they got boat raced every time they played Sandy Creek, but they played probably the most talented team in the classification many times. I don't think Long County is going to be able to provide them with anything they haven't seen before, at least individual player talent-wise. But Roger Randall was a first-team selection for Long County. They got a couple other guys uh, that have been good for them. But this game's not going to be at Ludawisi. It's going to be in DeKalb County in Cedar Grove. Uh, I like the Saints to win this one. I just feel like 
Um, you can't really say they're more battle-tested than Long Canyon because Long played a really nice region schedule. But I think in the non-region Cedar Grove did play some tougher competition. But with all that being said, I think Manny Green is just going to be a unicorn out there. And I think Jalen Adside being, a again, a, a savvy, uh, old, uh, I guess a senior guard is what you could say. I think his toughness and his veteran leadership will pull them through and uh, EJ Colson and I think Darius Reynolds after uh, 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 being somewhat of a non-factor at least offensively in this game I think he reasserts himself and re-emerges as a double-double threat in this game and I like Cedar Grove to beat Long County. Top right hand side we saw Johnson Savannah defeat Crisp County 78-54 and now they see Sandy Creek 68-22 a winner over Wesleyan. And we had the universal coin flip, and this game is going to be in Savannah. And I've kind of said throughout the season, I feel like, ooh, that's going to be a tough one for Sandy Creek to go into Savannah and try and knock off the Adam Smashers. Johnson's my original pick. I'm going to roll with him. I'm going to stay with him. But Sandy Creek's good. I know they probably listening to all these podcasts I have to do, and I always had to pick a winner. But the bad side about that is I always have to pick a loser. And... Sandy Creek, as a team, I have picked to lose this game, but I know they have as much, if not more, talent um, than Johnson. I know they really have something to prove. They really, really have something to prove. They want to get the monkey off their back, and I don't even know if this one does get the monkey off their back because the state championship is what has eluded Sandy Creek. They made it to the Elite Eight before. They made it to the Final Four. State titles, getting rings is what it's all about. Sandy Creek has not done that. And to be able to get back there, I think they do have a laser focus and they are going to be very keyed in on this game. But Johnson is my pick. I think Antonio Baker getting to the basket, if he's able to hit a couple outside shots with Josh Quarterman. Uh, And again, Malachi Robinson is going to be uh, very key in this game, just providing that, that muscle inside as far as being able to clean the glass, help stretch the floor. Um, he'll be important. Uh, Fabian Kirkwood. And uh, Kamari Jones have stepped up in the backcourt. But Sandy Creek, Vic Newsom's a senior now. Uh, He had a Division I offer when he was a a youngster, so he's a talented player. Amari Brown's really, really good lefty that came over from uh, New Mexico. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Micah Smith is going to be uh, a key guy to hold down in this game. And Sandy Creek has some really good uh, ancillary guards as well that help balance this attack, like P.J. Green. But... Johnson's my pick. Really, I'm, I'm relying on home court advantage and just the, the the mental mindset and the toughness. But Sandy Creek is as good as anybody. This game could go down to the wire. I think you could honestly say it's a, a coin flip game, but I feel like the coin flipped in Johnson's favor with home court advantage. I think the Adam Smashers find a way to squeak it out against a really, really, really good Sandy Creek team. Bottom right-hand side. We saw Cross Creek defeat Monroe 65-54. And now they see Hart County 68-60 winners over Adairsville. I think Cross Creek wins this game. I think Cross Creek is going to be very big and very athletic. And I think Taj Johnson versus Antoine Lork is one of the best unsigned senior matchups in the state of Georgia that is outside of the metro Atlanta area. That's a game that college scouts should be at to just see how these two guys combat each other. Um... I really like what Lort does defensively. He's really tough. And then Cross Creek, of course, brought in some transfers to help bolster the scoring into Kale Hobbs and a few other guys that have obviously played big roles this year. This game's going to be at Cross Creek. It's a really small court. Um, 
It looks like it's going to be a part of a, a, a doubleheader with Lumpkin County playing Cross Creek Girls before that. So it's going to be a real jam-packed, uh, tough environment to play in for Hart County. Uh, Terrence Mitchell had a great game against Adairsville. He's going to have to repeat that, and they're going to have to be able to knock down some outside shots with their guards. But I just feel like Cross Creek is has too much uh, to offer for Hart County. They're going to make it really tough, and that advantage that Taj Johnson usually has with being Six seven and that athleticism and that springy skill as far as uh, scoring around the rim and being a great athlete. I think Cross Creek has the big guys to help negate that uh, in a major way, and it's going to make it really tough for Hart County to score around the basket. And I think you might see a guy uh, like Jaden Priester play a big role in this one for Cross Creek. And with that being said, I do like the Razorbacks to march on to the Final Four. In Class 2A, seven out of eight games we were able to nail down, but one was a little surprising. Home court advantage matters this time of year. Top left-hand side, model 52-44 over Washington. Now they will host. And keyword is host because of that universal coin flip, which will be a big, big deal. They host Dodge County, 85-82 winner over Putnam County. In double overtime, Putnam County was my pick to make it to the Final Four. That was a huge win for Dodge County. Dodge got a big game out of Heaven Carson, 32 points. Jada McClendon, 20 points. Duke Johnson added 13, and Will Jordan had 8. And that was a packed house over there in Eastman, Georgia. But now they have to travel to Rome, Georgia, and Cedric Jordan has done a fantastic job with this Dodge County team, but now they're going to run into a, a tough one in model, and model, model's not some scary, unbeatable force, but uh, they are a solid team, and it starts all in the front court with Jermias Hurd inside, who scored 22 points in that win over Washington, and then, of course, you have Jaquinas Hurd, uh, the two brothers. Uh, the co-region players of the year in Region 7. Uh, that size is going to play a factor for Dodge County when you're talking 6'9", about 6'5". Uh, and the home court advantage, especially up there with a, a, a chance to go to the Final Four uh, at stake. I, I like Model to win this game. I think Dodge has been they've been really good this season. I think they're going to have more athletic guards than uh, Model does, but... I think if Model is able to establish their big guys inside and that rim protection and ability to score around the basket, I like Model in this one over Dodge County, a really tough nosed team. Bottom left hand side, we saw Providence Christian 78 74 winners over North Cobb Christian, and now they play Spencer 58 54 over Butler. Uh, Providence Christian, of course, has been really, really tough all throughout the season. They just shoot the ball so well. They have so many weapons that they can hurt you with, and they were able to withstand a monster final game from Albert Wilson, who just he needs to have he needs to have plenty of offers at this point. He had a, like 32 points and just a, a wrecking ball. But Providence Christian was able to win this one. Thomas Malkin had 18.7 rebounds. You got Samuel Thacker providing 17 points. Devin uh, McLean chipped in 13 points, and Chandler Dunn had 12. So just a balance attack from Providence. And you're going to use that balance attack against Spencer, who uh, was able to win a close one over Butler. 
Um, this game is going to be at Providence Christian, and I think that is huge. I think that is huge. You don't want to go over there to Columbus. Spencer's going to be longer and bigger and more athletic at every single position, but Providence shoots the ball much better than Spencer. I think Tyson McDaniels has to be a game breaker in this one, especially when closing out on shooters. If they choose to play a zone or if they choose to play man, that length and that quickness to be able to take away any clean looks on the perimeter is going to be key. I could see Providence potentially being forced to take a couple threes a little bit, maybe a step deeper than usual with Spencer's quickness, but um, Again, if I'm Spencer, I think I have to rely on uh, Tyson McDaniels to really just be a dominant factor and be uh, a guy that Providence just can't match up with height-wise, length-wise, potentially even skill-wise. But other guys that are going to have to play a key role, Antonio Cochran, he's a big bully inside around the basket. That is going to be an area where Providence is going to have to shore up their defense around the rim. Uh, Cochran, of course, was also the defensive player of the year in Region 2 this year. You have Tony Montgomery, a really good young guard that can score the ball, uh, is going to be a key factor as well. I know Spencer has lost a few guys, it sounds like. Hopefully the guys I just mentioned are still on that team. I know Tyson McDaniels is, and sometimes that's all you need. I think this game's going to be really, really, really close. I could definitely see Providence winning this one, but I think Spencer, I just think they're going to do just enough, just enough to pull it out against Providence Christian. I really would not be surprised if Providence won this one, but I am sticking with my initial pick of Spencer. So I'm going with the green wave to make it back to the final four. Top right-hand side, we have Windsor 4, 72-53 over Central Macon. Not much of a surprise there. They will be playing Columbia, who just really pulled away and just pounded out uh, Union County, 83-49. Union County uh, just not big enough to really contend with Uh, The firepower and the strength of Columbia, of course, they have uh, Terrell Wright inside. It's just a a monster of a matchup. Terrell Wright had a big game in that one and is going to be a key factor against Windsor Forest. Uh, It's going to be tough for Windsor Forest. Now, they obviously, they can match up. They got some really good quality athletes of their own, um, but they don't have that elite size inside. And if uh, this Columbia team is able to get going downhill and tossing up alley-oops and making things happen, it is going to be very tough for Windsor Forest. And, of course, Columbia has a very balanced backcourt of guards. Jaden Baugh is really good. Travian Callaway has been good. Rashad Hedges is a veteran. Um, Those guys can really do some damage, and it's going to be very tough um, for this Windsor Forest team. But Karan Anderson – can really score. Larry Pounds can score. And this game is going to be at Windsor 4. So making Columbia leave, cozy confines of DeKalb County, make them travel, going to make things interesting. But I do think Columbia is better. They've been more consistent throughout the season. But I do think this should be a fun game. But I think Terrell Wright, at the end of the day, is going to be a very, very tough cookie to deal with and I like his length and his uh, ability to really just shut down the paint in spurts with his shot blocking I think that helps Columbia win this game 
Bottom right-hand side, west side Augusta, 82-49 over a solid Sumter County team. And now they see South Atlanta, who eked it out over North Murray, 72-63. South Atlanta, um, they had a nice lead before North Murray got back into it. Uh, and I don't think they're going to really be able to secure a lead in the second half against west side Augusta. I've been high on this west side Augusta team all year long. I felt like they're the... Uh, a really good, strong pick to at least make it back to the Final Four, if not defend their entire state title. I like Westside to win this one. I just think they're going to be able to match anything South Atlanta has athletically. And then Jalexis Ewing is probably going to be the best athlete on the floor for Westside. And then Kalon Hudson at that combo forward position, knocking down shots from the mid-range, rebounding, stretching forward with corner threes. I really love this Westside Augusta team, and I think they're going to be able to defeat uh, a sneaky good, really plucky upstart South Atlanta team, but I'm going with Augusta, and especially considering this game is going to be in Augusta, going to be tough to come out of the CSRA alive if you're South Atlanta. In Class A Division One, the vaunted Region 6, who we thought could potentially put all four teams into the final four. No cigar, and we will cover that uh, momentarily. But let's start on the top left-hand side. Mount Pisgah, 78-66 winner over Darlington. A really close game. Darlington had a lead in this one. It was neck and neck throughout, uh, but then just a late run for Mount Pisgah. Uh, Micah Tucker got into foul trouble early on. That opened the door for Darlington to to secure a, a little lead and hold on to that for a while. Um, but then he returned, and then Grant Randall was huge with 20 points uh, and knocked down free throws late for Mount Pisgah to knock off Darlington on the road. Darlington, a really good season and showed that they could play with some of the best. Uh, but Mount Pisgah was just too strong, had a nice balanced attack at the end. And they will see Irwin County, 72-64 winner over Heard County, and again, Irwin County, you know, typically going to be a lot of football players in this one. Um, it's going to be a game that is played at uh, Irwin County, so Mount Pisgah is going to have to travel once again. That's what they get as the two seed, and Irwin County rising to be the one seed. But I mean, Irwin County just 16 and 12, um, but they are going to be. They're going to be very athletic. They're going to play very, very hard. They're at home. They had the player of the year in the region in Bo Payne. They also have Jalen Martin was a first-team pick. Darius Lake was a first-team pick. Zay Payne and Jabari Woodard, second-teamers. So Irwin County, uh, they're going to have some guys. They're going to play really, really hard. But I think uh, if you got Micah Tucker, if he can stay out of foul trouble, and I think Grant Randall plays a really big role in this game, again, with that size, they got some other guys that can knock down shots. Uh, Max Tucker, very important for this Mount Pisgah team. Um, but I think Pisgah, they should be okay. I don't want to start questioning what I think to know all season long when it comes to this deep into the tournament. But anything can happen when you get to the Elite Eight, and especially when you have some home court advantage. Things can get a little bit screwy. But Mount Pisgah, I'm going to go with them. Uh, this is a team that's played in a lot of big games throughout the years. I know they've probably seen a lot of difficult environments, uh, and I'm sure it's, you know, Irwin County is not going to be anything new to them. Uh, so I'm going to go with Mount Pisgah, my initial pick, to make it to the Final Four. Bottom left-hand side, we saw Mo Diao leaving the school, playing a huge factor here. 
as Athens Christian knocks off Mount Bethel 74-68. Thrasher Wilkins has just been on a tear lately for this Athens Christian team who is really starting to sneak up in the competition. They were ranked in the top 10 for, I believe, just one week and then quickly dropped out as everyone started beating everybody in Region 8. But then they kind of rose to the top, secured the region championship, and now they find themselves in the Elite 8. They will be playing Swainsboro, a 57-54 winner over Savannah. And uh, this game is going to be played at Athens Christian. So again, that little bandbox of a gym, Athens Christian, their fans are very loud. They will be very vocal. It's going to be tough for Swainsboro. And I think Athens Christian with Hampton Ford, who's been a first-team pick this year. Jaden Baskin has been good for them as well. Drew Beatles, a sharpshooter that's already signed to play in college. Uh, those guys are tough, and if they're knocking down some shots, they could play well. But Swainsboro is going to come in, and Swainsboro is probably going to be the most athletic team that Athens Christian has seen all season long. And I think they will be uh, a tough Tough team to contend with just because if they're able to play with their pace and play with their physicality, and again, Swainsboro is always going to be a lot of athletes, a lot of football players. And Swainsboro, they had the coach of the year in Bryce Hobbs out of Region 2. Uh, you got a co-defensive player of the year in Jakari Nobles, who has been good this year. DeMello Jones, Carmelo Lewis, both all-region first-team selections. Ty Adams, a second-teamer. Um I don't know. Athens Christian, they're going to have to really uh, make make some plays on the perimeter. I think outside shooting could be where they have the advantage here. But I think I'm, I'm going to go with Swainsboro. I just feel like they're going to throw a lot of quickness, a lot of speed, and a lot of physicality that Athens Christian just has not really been able to replicate uh, throughout the season uh, in Region 8. So I, I think Swainsboro, that's going to be my pick. It's going to be really, really tough. Uh, and again, when you look at all these all these uh, quadrants now, you're looking at this bottom left-hand side as being uh, maybe the weakest. or I don't know if I want to say the weakest. It, it probably is on paper, but maybe the most surprising as far as if Mount Bethel, if they're at full strength, I feel like they'd probably win and you know make it to the Final Four. But losing their 6-9 center right at the end of the season, that kind of shifted everything, and Athens Christian was able – to exploit that and secure a big win. But I think I'm going to go with Swainsboro uh, again on the road against Athens Christian. Not really sure how this game will play out, but I'll go with Swainsboro and going with that, that quickness and that athleticism off the gridiron to knock off Athens Christian. Top right-hand side, we saw Woodville Tompkins take it to Pelham 81-62. I think uh, Alfonso Ross had like 42 points in this game or something crazy. Uh, going to that new UCSB or USCB, USCB, you, 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 you know the deal. Uh, South Carolina Beaufort, uh, a new Division II program that will be opening up. He is committed to play there. Um, and now they will see Kings Ridge, who uh, pretty much went according to plan against Raven County, 65-30, just blew them out of the water. I think this is going to be a really tough game for Woodville. I know they have home court advantage, um, but Kings Ridge, they move the ball so well. They can literally put five uh, very good three-point shooters on the floor, not just five guys that are capable of shooting the three, but five guys that are shooting probably 35% or above. 
and they can really knock down shots. And then William Job at six foot ten can come in there and block a couple shots if need be. Micah Hoover can do the same with his athleticism. I think he plays a big factor in this one. And you know, Alfonso Rossi loves to get downhill. And if Kingsridge is able to stop him and slide in and draw a couple charges, uh, I mean, even Jack Thomas, who I thought did a great job on uh, Lamarius Jackson in that first-round matchup. I don't know what assignment he will draw, but he does a good job of keeping guys out of the lane, uh, and they do so as a team. And then they do have that that strength as far as physically in Zach Thomas as an on-ball defender. I think Woodville is, you know, they're going to make this. This is going to be a good game. This is going to be a good game, but I think Kingsridge has more balance as far as scoring options go. And again, the three-point shot. Always a great equalizer and always a great separator. If you end up trading twos for threes, uh, the threes add up a lot quicker than the twos. So I think Kingsridge finds a way to win this game. But I know Coach Lenny Williams will have Woodville Tompkins readily prepared. But I do think Kingsridge, especially like Jaden Cole, can get red hot from deep. They just have so many options to choose from. And Isaac Martin really doesn't make a ton of mistakes at all when dissecting defenses. So I'm going with the Tigers to top the Wolverines. Bottom right-hand side, we saw Temple 70-61 over Dublin. It has been a banner season for Temple. Temple now sitting at 24-5. Three of those five losses have come against Central Carrollton. Um, Again, they didn't play like a juggernaut non-region schedule per se. They're kind of in that no-man's land out there out west. Uh, But Temple is playing exceptionally well. Uh, and now they'll see Mount Vernon, uh, and that's who you don't want to see. 87-49 over Chattooga, uh, just a super balanced attack. But back to that Temple team, they had 18 points from Darren Drayden, a, a little squirt of a point guard, a little water bug quickness, listed at five foot five, a sophomore. Uh, the Ezekiel Jacobson had 16 points in that win over Dublin, and then Josiah Williams provided 15 points. And throughout the season, Amon Jackson has been one of their better players in the backcourt as well. But the problem here is they're running into a team with Mount Vernon with Class 7A size. Dennis Scott, who finished with 12 points at four threes in that first quarter against Chattooga, is six foot ten. You know he wants to stay in the perimeter. You could potentially try and run him off the line, but more of a perimeter outside shooter. You got Keith Williams at six foot eight, a wrecking ball inside that has soft hands that can score with his back to the basket. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Zay Shigog at six foot six is so active in the paint, collecting rebounds and attacking. And, you know, again, I try not to list the entire roster, but it's so hard not to when you have so many good options. Um, you got a really good athletic, strong backcourt that can make things happen as well. Uh, just a lot, a lot of weapons. Pace bottoms can really stroke it from the perimeter. Um, it's just going to be really, really tough for this Temple team to slow them down and score at the rim if they're trying to get to the basket. They do have such size, and they got some shot blockers. And um, Shia Goiba is a really good defensive player. Kenny Southall had 17 points in that win over Chattooga. A.J. Patterson at 15. Uh, It just goes on and on and on and on and on. Like Mount Vernon probably has the best, most intimidating roster left in the state in Class A Division One. And I think they're just going to be too big for Temple. But 
This game is at Temple. That's going to be a packed house. Needless to say, everybody in Temple, Georgia will be there rooting on the Tigers. Uh, but I think Mount Vernon is just going to be too big and too talented in this one. So I like Mount Vernon, the Mustangs, to make it to the Final Four. Public schools may have saved the GHSA in Class A Division II with how well they played in the Sweet 16. Six out of eight games I was able to get right here. But let's start on the top left-hand side. Green for 60. Green for 60 to 56 winners over Manchester. A really close game. Manchester competed extremely well. Um... We're just down maybe a couple points at half. I had this game on in the background while I was doing some work. They competed. Manchester really gave Greenforce all they could ask for. Um, so Greenforce is not some unbeatable team. I know they got two seven-footers, but they are not unbeatable uh, by any means. And Manchester probably has helped give uh, a little bit of a, a game plan as to how to compete with them. But they were, they were good. They were tough. Uh, they were not afraid at all by Greenforce, but um, Greenforce won that game. And now they will see Calhoun County, 66-37 winner over McIntosh County Academy. Uh, and this game's going to be at Greenforce, or if it's going to be moved to Miller Grove again, who knows. But Calhoun County will be there in full force, and Calhoun County is going to make things interesting. If they still play that same style they did last year, where they go that full court press the entire time, and they love to drive the ball down and shoot corner threes, Josiah Suber, really sneaky good guard. Need to get that man at my camp on March 19th. I want to see him live in person, the co-player of the year with his teammate Quincy Edwards, but they are quick. They can shoot the three ball. They are not going to be afraid. And just heading into the state tournament, without even looking at how the brackets played out, I thought to myself, hmm, what would a team like Calhoun County do if they saw Green Force? So they played that same style. Now, I know they graduated a lot. They're two leading scorers um, from last year's team and uh, Wiley and Enocher, but uh, – they have some good guys that can still go, and they have some athletes. And Green Force, they have that size, but if they make this a up and down, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth game, and you can't have those seven footers in the middle of the paint uh, providing rim protection, things can get a little interesting. Uh, Green Force is my pick in this one, but I'm very interested to see what Coach Marcus Shaw does. I think he's a very good coach, and he is going to be able to draw some things up to make this game interesting and make Calhoun County believe. And I think they're going to have that belief that they can win this game with that speed and that quickness and that outside shooting. And they got a lot of firepower that can spread the wealth around and get after it. I like Green Force. That's my pick. I'm going to stay with my pick. I, I don't. I do not have the. Uh, the fortitude, and the, the mental toughness and resolve to pick Green Force to lose this state title because if they lose this state title, if they don't win a state championship this year, that is a, that, that feels like an almost unforgivable sin with the amount of talent, especially with two seven-footers in Class A public ball, both going D1. Um, I'm going to go with Green Force in this one, but I'm very interested. I think Calhoun County is going to be a sneaky, sneaky dog in this game. Green Force is going to have to play really, really well and get some – some uh, offense from their guards, and they're going to have to really be able to protect the ball whenever Calhoun County goes to that full-court press. 
Bottom left-hand side, we saw Hancock Central 50-48 winners over Southwest Atlanta Christian. And now they see Charlton County 79-42 winner over Telfair County. Elias Williams 29 points inside with 10 rebounds and 3 blocks. And then, of course, you saw the outside shooting of Jarvis Wright with 21 points. And Jalen King, 16 points, stretching the floor in his own right. There's a lot of firepower at Charlton County. Hancock, uh, obviously with Dante Lowe, is a really high score. Averages close to 25 points per game. But I think Charlton has some more balance than they do. I know Hancock's tough, and they played a super tough non-region schedule, all things considered. Uh, and played a little bit better competition than Charlton, but I'm going with Charlton. I think the big guy inside Williams at six foot eight, and then Jarvis Wright launching three point shots. And if Jalen King is able to hit some threes as well, um, you know, sometimes I guess you can live by the three and die by the three. But Charlton County has been thriving this year, and I think they will have enough to win this game. And especially considering this game's going to be at Charlton County. Uh, Folkston's going to be rocking. I like Charlton County to defeat Hancock Central. Top right-hand side, it is round three between Portal and, of course, they will be playing Wilkinson County. We saw Portal win 62-44 over Randolph Clay. Uh, and then also we saw Wilkinson demolish a, a sneaky good Fulton Leadership Academy team, 79-52. So they are playing very, very well right now. But these two teams know each other. Wilkinson County eliminated Portal last year in the state tournament. And it might have been around this round. I'll pull it up right now and let you know when they knocked them off. That was in the Sweet 16 where Wilkinson defeated Portal 55-54, and those close game trends have carried over this year when they had a home-and-home between the two. Uh, Portal won at the Palace 65-62, and then at Portal, uh, they were able to knock off Wilkinson County in mid-January 67-59. It is tough to beat a good team three times. This game is going to be at Portal. I think that's a big factor that really helps out the Panthers. JoJo Thomas has been really good this year, stroking the outside shot, 16 points per game. Elijah Coleman is a foul magnet getting downhill at 14 points per game. And, of course, Amir Jackson, a double-double machine, 13 points per game to go along with nine rebounds. A really tough forward. But Wilkinson's really good. Justin Stanley, a good three-point shooter, was a region player of the year this year in that Region 5 uh, and uh, Cartier Craig is a really good playmaker that makes that offense go. Quavion Hill, a strong forward inside. There's going to be some big bodies banging down low. Portal is my pick here. Portal at home. Again, I know they already beat Wilkinson twice this year, but they're still probably thinking about what happened in the state playoffs last year. They want to erase those demons for good. I got Portal in this one at home. Going to be a packed house in a small gym. Portal with uh, Coleman getting to the basket. I think Amir Jackson plays a key role. And if Joseph Thomas is able to hit those outside shots, if he's clicking, they are going to be tough to stop. So I got Portal edging Wilkinson. No way this game is not a nail-biter either way. But I'm sticking with Portal, my original pick. And on the bottom right-hand side, where you could say the GHSA was potentially saved with these public schools being able to compete with these private programs. Dooley County, a 60-56 upset win over Mitchell County. Gets them to the next round. 
but then it's Macon County, 66-61 over Christian Heritage. I was concerned and curious as to see how Christian Heritage would do in a hostile environment in the more so South Georgia region. I know it's more in the middle of Montezuma, more in the middle of the state, but still much farther south than Dalton is used to play, or Christian Heritage from Dalton is used to playing. Christian Heritage fell behind by 16 points, but Jax Abernathy got hot, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. And Braden Coleman had 18 points, and Cashier added 11 points, but it was not enough. Macon County with a huge win in this one, as we said, 66-61. Derek Lester was a difference maker with 22 points and 10 rebounds. You saw a big game out of Mr. Collier, Dontavius Collier, stepped up big time, providing 16 points and 13 rebounds. Frankie Reigns, a sophomore, had 13 points. Now, they only hit four threes. They were four of 16, and they struggled from the foul line, eight of 23. So the shooting, not, not up to snuff compared to Christian Heritage, but they were able to take advantage and hold off for this win. So now we see Macon County versus Dooley County. Uh, obviously... Macon County riding very, very high. And these two teams met earlier in the season, mind you. They did defeat Dooley County when they played them. They actually played them twice in the non-region. Macon County won 79-67, and they also won 70-62. And Dooley County's playing their best basketball. Again, they came into this tournament. Um, you know, They ended up winning Region 4, but they don't have a sparkling record, but they're up to 16-9 now. Uh, this game is going to be at Dooley County, which will be tough to go to Vienna. But I'm going with Macon County. I think they're more well-balanced as far as scoring options go. I know Jalen Bullhall is really, really, really tough to slow down for Dooley County. But I'm going with Macon County. Securing that big victory over Christian Heritage is key. I think they're going to have to shoot a lot better, not only from the three-point line, but especially from the foul line. Can't leave points on the table this time of year, but I'm going with Macon County to defeat Dooley County. They've just been better this year and already have two wins against the Bobcats. So there you have it. That is the GHSA Boys State Playoffs Elite Eight preview and predictions. Can't wait to see how it all plays out. Hopefully I don't have too much egg on my face, but I know these games are going to be good and crazy stuff happens this time of year. So until next time, until we've preview the final of four. I will see you guys in the gym.